the Joey Miller Podcast. I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. We have so much to talk about out of God's Word, and you are going to be blessed. But let me just remind you, before we jump in, don't forget to check out joeymiller.co for all sorts of resources, from merch to Bible studies to podcast notes to blogs. You will be blessed, so check it out today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying it and you want to share it with a friend, a great way to let us know is to like it, to share it, and to subscribe. So make sure you do that as well. Well, let's get into the Word together. So I feel like we get so much of the Word that whenever I get to meet with you on a monthly basis... I, I really go before the Lord and say, what is what they need to hear in this moment? I really try to tune in and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what is it that the overall sense of what the women of Champion are going through? And as I was praying, I felt like he said, in process, in process. And in fact, if you're a part of our circle of friends, that's going to be our topic going into next week, the process. But not just in process, but in process, like Dot, dot, dot. In process, like if you're on your computer or iPad and you hit like enter or send and it just goes round and round and round. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I am one of those per- people that I'm not patient with that. Like I know you're not supposed to touch the computer when that's happening, but I just keep boom, 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 uh, thinking that in some way, shape, or form, me touching it and hitting enter over and over again is going to make the process speed up, right? And, and we all know that doesn't happen or in process like you hit a order purchase on a website and you get uh, an email kickback that says your order is being processed and I'm like that's great but I don't want processed I want shipped do you know what I'm saying (laughs) I want shipped I feel like Amazon has spoiled us where I'm like what are you talking about five to seven days it should be here in five to seven hours like you know I need this tomorrow and you're letting me down and so you know so we're not always patient in the process but I feel like in really growing and maturing in our faith we need to address this issue because you know victories aren't won through hitting send and it coming immediately to us. There is, a, there is a process in between the promise that God gives us and obtaining, obtaining the fulfillment of that promise. And if we don't address the process that it takes, takes to get there, then we're not growing as mature believers in the word of God. That we're not conceding to the process that God wants to. God is all about process. God's all about process. If you think back even uh, to the Israelites back in Exodus, when he was bringing the people of God out of Egypt into their promised land, there was a process. What did he say back in Exodus? He said, I can't take you the, the, the quick way. I can't take you the fast way because if you face any adversity, you're going to give up and you're going to turn back to Egypt. There is a process that God wants to do in and through you to get you to your promise, to get you to, them, to your promise. And there's a maturity that comes out of that. There's a pricelessness that comes out of that process. So we're going to talk about three different aspects of process tonight and what God does in and through us in the meantime. Because every promise that you receive from God, whether it's in the word of God, whether it's by a, a, a prophetic word, maybe you're in a church service and someone speaks a word over you, maybe God drops a promise into your heart. It doesn't matter what that promise is. It's always an invitation to a process. Amen? Amen. So point number one tonight, sometimes that process 
is, is in you. Sometimes God is doing a process in you. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5 if you have your Bibles tonight. Luke chapter 5. It's quiet in here. Y'all going to talk to me tonight? <laughs> Luke chapter 5. Jesus calls out the first disciples. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gersenet. Gennesaret? Gennesaret, sorry. See, I am blind. <laughs> Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he felt that, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken away. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And he had brought, uh, brought their boats to land, and they left everything and they followed him. They left everything, and they followed Jesus. See, when God gives you an invitation to a process, a lot of times we think that we're ready. You know, I, what I'm doing presently, the Lord actually revealed to me 20 years ago when I first uh, responded to full-time ministry. A lot of us have had a promise that God has put into our heart or into our spirit. And in the natural, we think we're ready for that promise to be fulfilled. And I remember different seasons of my life saying, God, I'm so ready. Why isn't this happening? I remember being like a racehorse behind a gate. Like, I'm ready. Just let me go. I'm ready for this. And, and the truth of the matter is I wasn't ready. Looking back, I wasn't ready. There was a process that God wanted to do in me before he brought me into the promise. See, I was like the Israelites. I thought I was ready, but if I would have faced any sort of adversity, I would have turned back. It would have been too much. I would have crumbled under pressure. The person that I thought I was in that moment wasn't strong enough to sustain the promise of what God had in store for me. See, God's not so much uh, worried about what he's going to do through us. And I, 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 love, I love the destinies that God has for us. I believe everybody has a plan and a purpose before God. I wrote a whole Bible study on it. That's how committed I am, masterpiece, to that. But let me just tell you, God's not even so much concerned about what you can do for him as who you are in him, as who you become in the process. So many times we get so caught up on what is that thing? I just need to fulfill that thing. If, if I get to that threshold in my life where I cross over and it's destiny, I'll be happy and I'll have arrived. And that's not how God works. He works little by little in our lives through process, creating in us who he wants us to be, unfolding his plan into our lives. And I love the scripture in Luke 5 that we just read because what happened was he encountered, uh, he encountered these, these men 
And the first thing that he does to them, well, the first directive besides preaching the gospel, when he turns to them and says, now, Simon, let's go out into the deep. Let's go out into the deeper waters. And a lot of times, you know, in the process that we are with God, we receive that promise and we're like, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. But it's not until he starts to call you out into the deep that the, the process really starts to unfold. And I think about what the deep represents. And we go to the ocean uh, a couple times a year and my husband started boating. And, I, you know, they should really make you take a class or something on that now that I'm thinking about it. In Florida, they're like, oh, sure, give me the money, go ahead out. You have a driver's license. See ya in a couple hours as we're out in the middle of nowhere with an unexperienced <laughs> captain on a boat. But I'm just thinking about that now. <laughs> but we go out into the deep waters, and, and I remember, you know, just going out, and, and it's fun at first, and then we, we throw down the anchor, and, and we start jumping out, and we start swimming. And, and there's some sort of... Uh, fear that's related to be out in the middle of the ocean, especially like the Gulf of Mexico, uh, whenever no one else is around and you're in this boat, right? And, and so what we started to do was we put our daughter on like shark alert. Like you, you are on, on char in charge. If there's any sort of movement in the water, uh, you need to let us know immediately because there's something foreign about being out in the deep. There's something that you feel vulnerable. There's something that you no longer feel in control. See, there's a difference when we're just splashing around on the shore. In fact, one time my daughter was uh, on the shore and she came running in. We were actually in Myrtle Beach, I, th I believe it was. And she said, Mom, there's a shark in the water. And, and she was just little and she was like right by the shore. And we're like, ha, 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 yeah, I'm sure. Like, yeah, there's a shark in the water. And she said, no, there really is. And we're like, oh, yeah, sure, Ava. And, and, and all of a sudden we saw a crowd and there really was a hammerhead shark uh, right by uh, the edge of the water, a baby one. But, but typically you don't encounter things like that because you're in control when you're on the shore. You have your footing. You have your bearings. You feel in control of of things. And a lot of times when we, we start the process with God, we're in that place. You know, okay, yeah, I could do this. I, I can see myself doing this. And then when he starts calling us out into deep, there's a different kind of dependency that we're now relying on him in. There's a different kind of uh, process that we go through. There's, there's times in our life that maybe we lose our footing and we can't see and we're treading water and we're like, God, I'm trusting you in this process. I'm trusting you to go out into deeper waters that, that actually I can't even see where this is taking me. There's been times out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico that you don't know if you're going north, south, east, or west. You can't see any sort of directives. You're just trusting. And, and that's how it is with God and the process that he takes. When he takes us out into the deep, when he starts to fulfill the process, the plan of God, the promise that he gave you, he's not going to do it uh, at the place where the shore is because then you would say, we would say, thanks, God, I got this. I'm great. Look at me. No, it, it's going out to a place where he takes you in him, this complete dependency. And he said, Simon, he said, go out into the deep water. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to, to go out further than you're comfortable going? Further than you're comfortable going. Listen, this is a word in season for the, the women of champion. is a season that is past comfortability. Because we're well fed here. We are a strong, thank God, healthy, spirit-filled 
word preaching church. And that's great. But it's easy to get really comfortable in that place, right? It's easy to get really well-fed. It's easy to get, uh, oh, thank you. Like, thank you. I I feel really well-fed now. I'm just going to go home, and I'm just going to do what I've always done. And I feel like the Lord is taking us from a place of, of comfortability into a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of stretching, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Lord, I've never been this way before. Never been this way before. And that's okay. Listen, we believe God is raising up world changers in this place. We do. And you know what that means? That you're going to be doing something that hasn't been done before. That's never been done before. And at sometimes the only directive, the only compass you're going to have is the word and the spirit to guide you. And that might feel uncomfortable sometimes. That might feel like I'm unsteady on my feet. That might feel like, Lord, I just want to retreat back a little bit because I don't know whether I'm going north, south, east, or west. And he's saying, come, come. What I love is this isn't the, this isn't the last time that Peter, Simon Peter gets uncomfortable on the water. Do you remember in Matthew 14, 22, what happens? They're out in, in the middle of, of, of the ocean, and they think they see a ghost, right? And Jesus, he calls to Peter, and he says, come, come. And Peter has a decision if he's going to stay comfortable on the boat or if he's going to go walk on the word that Jesus called him to. And he starts walking. And I love this story because as long as, as, long as Peter keeps his eyes on Jesus, it's smooth sailing smooth sailing. But as soon as he starts to look at his circumstances around him, as soon as he starts to look at the natural things that are going on in his, around him, like I shouldn't be walking on water. Why is this? And his mind starts to process. What happens? He starts to sink. And I think about that as women of God, you know, in this season of our lives, that, that Jesus is calling us out into the deep. He's calling us to walk on water. He's calling us to take ground And that looks different for each and every one of us. So for some of us, he's calling you to get your family in order again. And that's uncomfortable. And that stinks because it's going to be a little bit of resistance. It's going to be a little bit of restructuring. It's going to be a little bit of kickback. But that's what he's calling you to, unknown territory, to fulfill the destiny in your life. For some of you, he's calling you into uh, different realms of ministry that you're uncomfortable with. Like me, Lord? Like I was comfortable just staying at home, going to church a couple times a week. Like really? You want me to serve on a dream team or get involved or lead a Bible study or minister to this group of women? Like I don't know about that. He's saying come. Come deeper. Come deeper with me. Some of you, he's calling you into greater uh, times of prayer. Maybe you're just a new Christian and at first like 10 minutes, you know, a couple minutes in the word, praying, hey, Lord, thanks for a great day, out the door, was okay. But now he's saying, that was great for a season, but now I want you to come deeper. I want you to experience more of me. I want you to get to know me a little bit better. Because whenever we get to know him better, we're transformed and we come more and more like him. That we, that the Colossians 3 talks about that. It says that we're constantly being transformed into the image of our maker. That our new self, that now that we're Christians, you know, we get saved and that's great. But our spirit's made new, but our soul sometimes needs to catch up. You know what I'm talking about? 
That's why I love when we encounter new Christians. Uh, so many times someone's come up to us after service and said, Pastors, that was a effing great service. <laughs> and how many of you know that's funny at first? And we're like, yeah, that's, I love that. That's like the, the Ross. But if you've been in the church for like five years and you come up and say that, I'm going to be a little bit concerned, you know? I'm going to be like, you know what? <laughs> You might want to spend a little more time in the prayer in prayer and in the word. But there's a process where Holy Spirit does something in us, and it's a deep, deep work. You know, if I knew all of the stuff I'd have to go through in the process, I would have bailed. I would have said, thanks, Lord, for that promise, but you know what? I'm just going to do things my way. Thanks so much, but no thank you. And that's how it was for the life of Joseph. Think about that back in the Bible. If you know the Bible story, God gave Joseph back in the book of Genesis, he gave him a promise. And there was a process to the promise that Joseph had to walk through. And you know what? That process wasn't jumping from cloud to cloud and sliding down rainbows. <laughs> How many of you thought that when you got saved? Like, oh, everything's just great now. And, and everything is great. Everything is great. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't take a fight of faith to be great. When you're first a Christian, it's like God just is, answers every prayer to build your faith. But then what does the Bible say? It's like a, a little baby child. Then they start to grow in their faith. Then they start to be more accountable to their actions. Then they start to grow a little bit stronger and they start to walk on their own. And that's what the process is all about. It's for you to be stronger in your faith, to know that you know that you know that you believe what you believe what you believe for to obtain the promise that God has for you. And that's what Joseph went through. He wants through. I hate to tell you this. Joseph went through some hell. He went through some hell. And it wasn't that God wanted him to. And it's not that God wants you to go through hell. But I'm telling you, there's victory in every part of the process if you'll really concede to him. <laughs> Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers, by the people who loved him. He thought he, they loved his family. I mean, some of you have some wrecked up families. I mean, let's be honest, but nobody's throwing you into a pit. <laughs> Hopefully not, maybe spiritually. Then he gets falsely accused of rape. He's like doing good. How many of you have been doing good? And you're like, really? Really? This is really coming up against me? Like, I, I'm doing good here. And, and what's the enemy want you? He wants you to give in. He wants you to grow weary in well-doing and give up and say, well, if, if I'm already going through this adversity, I might as well just give in to what? No. Joseph stood strong in the face of trial. He was in process. Every process was an opportunity for promotion towards the promise. So God was working in Joseph. He was working through his character. You see, Joseph was full of just excitement and probably pride when he received the promise. But by the time he got to the fulfillment in a place of Genesis 50, and we're going to talk about that, he said, I am nothing. You know, it had worked through him, any sort of bitterness, any sort of ambition, any sort of anything. He was a dead man walking. Anything that the enemy tried to bring against him, he said, God, now you have used it for the saving of many lives. It wasn't about Joseph anymore. It wasn't about people bowing down to Joseph it was about his life being used for other people. And that's what happens at the end of the process. 
Because at the beginning of your process, most likely you're full of pride. Most likely you're full of selfish ambition. Not because uh, we're bad people, but that's just our human nature. The things that, that I am getting the privilege to do now, if I were doing this when I was younger, I would have thought it was all about me. But now I'm at the point where I'm a dead woman walking. Like, that's great, Lord. If you want to do that, that is great. If you don't, that is great. Whatever you want, that's process. Because it's not about you anymore. It's a working to the place where you're saying, I'm out on the deep. I'm walking on water. It's me and Jesus. i got to keep my eyes on him. It's more about who I am. It's more about my character. It's more about my relationship with him than anything that he wants to do through me. That's what it becomes. That's what process is. It's a purifying process. The Bible talks about the refiner's fire, that you're refined. You're refined through these things. James actually talks about it. He, sa- he says this in James 1. It says, count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of many kinds. And I'm not condoning trials. Let's just be very clear here. Faith is not pretending like you don't have trials. And I'm tired of that message. Because we do. We live in this world and we have trials. But the Bible says, take heart, for Jesus has overcome the world. That means any trial that you face, there is victory through Jesus. That means come hell or high water, you can walk in victory. But to pretend that trials don't exist is anti-gospel. And it's blasphemy to the message of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gave you victory to overcome. To overcome. And, you know, James says, Count it joy, brothers, when you meet trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith provides steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Another version says, let it grow in you. It says, let it grow in you. And, and I think about that in the life of Joseph and the, and the story of process and all of the disciples is that when anything that they met, they saw Jesus come through strong in. And then their, their faith was steadfast, unmovable then. They said, you can't move me in that because I know Jesus came through. Joseph said, you can't take me out of a place of peace. I was in the prison. You can't take me out of a place where I don't think God's going to come through. I saw him do miraculous things in my life. There is a process that refines us and makes us ready to be used by the Lord. That makes us unmovable, unshakable vessels of gold. Taking out all the dross, all the selfish, selfish ambition, all the doubt, all the pride. Clearing it all away. That we say, Lord, have your way in my life. Amen. Sometimes the process is because of us. He's working in us. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And we throw our pity parties and we're like, God, why aren't you using me yet? And he's like, I will. I'm going to use you. You just have to yield to the process. It's not time yet. I'm not done. I haven't done my work fully in you yet for you to come into the fulfillment of what I want to bring you to. So don't give up on the process. The sooner you yield to it, the quicker you're going to get through it. The sooner you yield to it, the quicker you're going to get through it. The Israelites walked in circles. I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I have. 
I have walked in circles until I got it right because the Lord loves me. He cares more about me than what I could do for him. The process sometimes is in you, amen? Sometimes the process is worked out through you. Sometimes the process is worked out through you. I love it because he gives directives in, in Luke 5. He gives directives to the disciples. And he goes out and he says, go into deep. And he says, go ahead and cast your nets again. And at this point, the disciples had been fishing all night. They were actually cleaning their nets when Jesus found them and saw them. And they were tired. And Simon actually said to him, Lord, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. And he said, but if you say so, we'll do what you say. Sometimes the process is contingent upon your obedience. Your willingness to say, God, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. But because you said to do it, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing through. The process to your promise is contingent upon your obedience. God is working the process through you. He's saying, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to, to get up and pray? Are you willing to get up and read your Bible? Are you willing uh, to do what I tell you to do? Are you willing to stop that habit? I, I did a whole podcast uh, I released today. You should go back and listen to it on toxic habits. There's some things that we do habitually that are actually holding us back in the process. It's like a trip cord. It's entangling us as we're running our race. That we try to break free and that, that habit that we don't even think about just creeps back up. Or we think we can't change or we can't break free of it. And it's really cool because we were just studying. My husband and I went back for our master's, so now we're smart. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're actually reading, like, educational books and stuff. And, and, but, but it's really cool because people oftentimes say that they can't stop doing things because that's just the way they are. Uh, they would say, you know, I can't stop doing that. Maybe it's a pornography or a sin or, or drinking or alcoholism or a drug or maybe it's anger. or That's just the way I am. Like, the, I, you can't change that. It's, it's my personality. I was born that way. Even sexual orientation and things like that. And the awesome thing is, is science actually says opposite. It says, are you ready for this? I'm going to feel really smart when I say this. There's something, <laughs> there's something called neuroplasticity that says that you can actually retrain your brain patterns, which means that you might have a tendency towards certain sins, addictions, habits, things, but God made you so that you're not a slave to that thing. So that you might have a tendency towards it, but actually you can retrain, <laughs> think of Romans 12 too, right? It, to, to retrain your mind so that you don't do those things anymore. To actually not conform to the world, but instead what? Be transformed by the word of God. That you can actually retrain. Your, so, so you're not a slave to that thing. So, for example, they say that, you know, uh, Indian males are more prone to be alcoholics. So they would be able to say, I'm just an alcoholic. That's just, I was born like that. That's in my DNA. But that doesn't mean that they're bound to it. It means that through, ultimately, as a Christian, through Jesus Christ, that could be broken and that habit can be reformed and retrained in them through the word of God. And so to realize that, to realize that God wants to do work through me and it's contingent upon my obedience, sometimes it's breaking habits. 
Sometimes it's saying enough is enough. I'm tired of that thing holding me back. I'm tired of that thing tripping me up all the time. Maybe, you know, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's, well, I don't know what it is in your life, but making a decision to say, no, I'm not going in circles like the Israelites. I'm moving forward. I'm breaking past that. God wants to do a work through me, through me. So not only is he waiting on our obedience to not do the wrong things and to step out and do the right things, but he's waiting on our obedience to step up in faith and to actually obtain that which he's promised us, to actually go after it in faith. So sometimes him working through us means letting go or stepping out, but other times it means contending in faith. And I love the story of Elijah in the Bible, that, that whenever Elijah is praying, we can go there really quick, because I've just been reciting words to you. Let's go uh, to 1 Kings really quickly, if you have your Bible. Y'all staying with me? All right, so here we are. I'm dropping stuff. <laughs> In 1 Kings, 1 Kings uh, 41, it says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And when he went up and looked and said, there is nothing, and he said, go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like the size of a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down, lest the rain stop you. In a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and the wind, and, was, and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab in the, in the entrance of Jezreel. And I love this scripture because what we see here is Elijah was contending in faith. And this is such a great illustration as women of God when we're in the process to our promise because sometimes it looks like nothing's happening. And in those moments, we want to quit. On those moments, we want to back down. And Elijah was believing uh, that there was going to be rain coming. And he was praying and praying and sending out his servant and sending out his servant and sending out and nothing, nothing, nothing. And then one time he came back and he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And this scripture always speaks to me because whenever I'm believing for something in faith, I always look for the little cloud. I always look for the little cloud that God is doing in the midst. Because when God gives you a promise and you commit yourself to contend in faith for it, there's always going to be a little cloud. There's always going to be an opportunity for you to say, I don't see the fullness of it yet, but I see a little bit of it. So that I'm going to fill that my faith with that. I'm going to speak to that cloud. I'm going to call that cloud as if it's all coming forth. I've used that so many times in my life. I've used that uh, when uh, loved ones were in the hospital. The doctor would come in and say, the report is, is this. But, but, and I would say, that's a little cloud. You're giving me, I, I choose not to look at all the things that aren't going right. I choose to look at the little cloud. If you're telling me there's hope, I, I see the promise coming. I see it in its fulfillment coming. If, if you tell me, uh, you know, I, I don't see that there's, there's any hope for, 
for a, a, a church building in this area, and then I hear a little bit of a breakdown. I'm going to say, no, there's a little cloud. I'm going to attach my faith to that little cloud. I'm going to speak to that little cloud until I see the fulfillment of the rain coming. And when you're contending in faith, you can't lose hope. Galatians 6, 9 talks about don't grow weary in well-doing. When God's trying to work the promise through you, he wants you, the enemy wants you to quit. He wants you to quit. He wants you to quit contending for faith. He wants you to give up on your promise. He wants you to say, this is never going to happen. Uh, I, this is stupid. I must not have heard God. I must have had a burrito last night before bed. I, that wasn't God. Or what was I thinking, giving money in that offering? Oh, my goodness. Was I delusional? No, he wants to speak doubt to us. And it's in those moments we need to have eyes of faith and say, God, you're moving somewhere. You, I, it's, it might not be obvious, but as I'm praying, you're moving. As I'm praying, you're moving. And I know there's a cloud forming somewhere. So I'm going to align my faith with it. I'm going to call the things that aren't as though they are. I'm going to call the things that don't exist into existence. And, you know, that is a woman of faith. That's a woman of faith. Think about this, the Lord's Prayer. It says that, that we pray that the Lord's will in heaven will be done on earth. And we do that through calling those things that are not as though they are, as, as really obtaining in faith the things, the promises that we see God has given us to really speak them forth and grab a hold of them and not to let go, to act on them, to act on them. If God has, has given you a promise, start to act on it. Start to have points of contact that you move in with it. If he's promised you a child, you know, let your heart go there. We talk about this scripture so many times, but don't let disappointment. I think about uh, the, the woman uh, who was barren in, in the Bible, and, and the prophet went to her and said, uh, this time next year you're going to have a child. And, and she said, oh, no, like, don't tease me with that. Like, I could never let my heart go there. Don't let disappointment defer you from the promise being fulfilled. The enemy wants you to kind of put like a, a, a barrier up and say, no, I'm not going to let my heart go there anymore. Like I tried that for a while and it didn't work, so I'm going to put a barrier up. Don't, don't let the enemy rob you of that. Say, no, you know, I have a point. I'm going to go. I'm going to let my heart dream. I'm going to let my heart go there. I'm going to look for the clouds in my life and call them forth to see the fullness of the promise fulfilled. Amen? Amen. So sometimes the process is worked through you. And sometimes, this is my very favorite point, the process is worked for you. The process is worked for you. And Luke 5, uh, I love this because when he, he told them to go out into the deep waters and, and to throw down their nets, that was like a big act of faith because they were tired. They had done this before. They had cleaned the nets and they threw them down. And Jesus already had the provision on the way. Jesus already knew there was going to be a supernatural uh, school of fish. Could you imagine like one word from Jesus and this like thousands of fish coming towards that boat? And Jesus was already working for them. It just took them stepping out. And I love this word because so many times we think in the in the space between the promise and the process, we think we're doing it alone. And God's already working it for us. He's working on the other side of things. He's orchestrating things that we don't even know he's orchestrating. That we're walking into places and spaces that we could never even have imagined. 
And uh, I, I love the story of Ruth, and I sent it out in my email last week, and it's, it's just so real to me right now that I just have to release it to you, too. Just what I feel like the Lord was speaking was, you know, the, the just-so-happen moments that God is working. You know, I think, even think of that song, even when I don't see it, he's working. I think Damon was here. I'm not going to sing it for you. Even though I don't see it, he's working. He's always working. He's always working. Always working for those he loves. And, and in the book of Ruth, you know, it, it's, it's this, widow, this widow and she needs food. If you're not familiar with the book of Ruth, some of our ladies are doing the Bible study. And it's, the Bible says it just so happened that she stumbled into the field of Boaz. He was going to be like her kinsman redeemer, like the prince, if you're following Disney princess and prince stories, like her prince. It just so happened that she stumbled into, into his field. Now, I love the book of Ruth because it doesn't really show us any direct connection between God talking to the characters in the book of Ruth. But you see he's orchestrating everything for his divine purposes. And I felt like that just this week to release that uh, over our email group and over you ladies too, that, that even though you can't see it, he's working behind the scenes. And Ruth stumbled, listen to this, into fields of favor. And she didn't even know it. And as you're in the process to the promise, you're going to start stumbling into some fields of favor. Because there's a part that you play, and then there's a part that God plays. And there's a part that you can do, and there's a part that only God can do to bring the promise into fulfillment. You can do, you could try to work as hard as you can. You can get up at 4 a.m. and pray. You could do everything that you know to do. But at some point, God takes over. And he's working behind the scenes. I think of it like a, a, a divine chess match. He's just orchestrating everything perfectly in your life to a point where you're going to be like, what the heck just happened? What the heck just happened? I just walked into a field of favor. I just walked into my promise, and I didn't even realize it. See, some of you go through all of those other points of process And you're struggling through, struggling through the process, struggling through. And then you get to the point where God's doing his part and it's effortless. Effortless. That you walk into places and you're like, God, you are so smart. You are so smart. I just had one of those moments this past weekend. My husband and I planned to go to Michigan to one of our mentors' 60th birthday parties. And it was amazing and and we, we took time out of our uh, weekend, which we were happy to do, we took, you know, we, we took time away from our family, and we wanted to go and really honor him. But we didn't know God was orchestrating things on the back end. Don't you love those moments? Like, we just thought we were going to a birthday party. And I showed up, and uh, the party went on, and, and there was a woman there who I knew she was in ministry years ago. And I didn't want to bother her because I'm so dead to myself. There would have been a day I would have been like, I want to talk to her. I want to get learn from her. And I was just like, whatever, you know. Uh, and, and before we left, you know, we, we, we sat down with her. And, and she took my hand and she acted like she had known me for a million years. And she just put her hands on mine and she just started probably for 20 minutes talking to me and, and just going like this. And that might not mean anything to you. But to me, it broke me down. Because if you know me, I'm, first of all, I'm not a very touchy person. And in fact, after I had shared this story with my husband, he said, really? I thought that would have annoyed you because you don't really like people to touch you. And I said, no, it broke me. Because uh, all the not 
you promise not to feel bad for me. I don't like to share these stories because I'm really not a victim. I really don't. All of the women in my life have either passed on or they're not a part of my life anymore. All the older women, my grandmother passed, my mother passed, my sister passed, my other sister lives far away. And I said, I didn't notice in that moment what the affection from a motherly figure would do to me because I didn't think I needed that. I didn't think I wanted that. And as she sat there and she just talked to me and she just stroked my hand, I I was just like basking in the goodness of God. I'm like, God, you're meeting me in a place that I didn't know that I needed, that I needed. Do you know what I mean? And on so many different levels. So we talked to her and I said, I said, Nathan, I just, I feel like there's like a divine connection and I feel like I need something from her, not in a needy way, not in a, hey, I want to know who you know to, to figure out how I can get to know more people way. It was a, I feel like God was setting me up. I feel like God was putting me into a field of favor. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, it just so happened that I was sitting on a couch with Jeannie Mayo and she was just stroking my hand and talking to me like she had known me for a million years. And I thought, God, you were so good. And so I reached out to her, and, and uh, we had a conversation, and, and just this relationship that's developing. And I thought, God, you're so good because you brought me into a field of favor that I didn't even know was coming. You were divinely orchestrating things in my life to meet needs and to set me up for the fulfillment of the promise that you have for me. Because Jeannie Mayo, if you don't know Jeannie Mayo, she is a mentoring guru. She's mentored for years. She's in her 70s, and she's just amazing. And so I called her, and I said, Lord, or not Lord, oh, dear. <laughs> I said, Jeannie, I feel like the Lord has, I, and you, you start this conversation, and you're like, she's going to think I'm a freak, you know, one of those people. And I'm like, I know you have people all over the country that are contacting you. I just really feel like it was God lining this thing up. And, uh, of course, she responds in the Jeannie Mae way, oh, sweetie, I would be honored to mentor you. I would be honored. It would, and, and, and to really have somebody on that level be able to pour into me so that I could pour into all of you is amazing. See, God was setting me up for part of the promise to be fulfilled. I was crying out to him, Lord, I, I feel called to mentor these ladies. You're going to have to show me how. Circle of friends, I'm sorry. You're my guinea pigs. So, <laughs> I'm just being obedient in the process. I'm just being obedient in the process, Lord. And he, he's working on the backside, making me stumble into fields of favor. It just so happened that you're going to run into Jeannie Mayo. It just so happened that she's going to take you by the hand, and you're going to feel what a mother feels like after you haven't felt like it so long. And you're going to realize that you need mothers in your life. And what a beautiful thing. And I feel like he's working that in your life today. So don't be discouraged. If you feel like you've done everything to do good and you're still not reaping your harvest, it's not all on you. God's working behind the scenes. He's orchestrating things. He has some fields set up for you to stumble into. You're just going to stumble into that house of your dreams. You're just going to stumble into that relationship. You're going to stumble into that job. You're going to come into fields of favor that you could have never worked, dreamed, or made up in your life. And it's going to be by God's divine hand because he loves you. Because he loves you. And you're going to stand back and you're not going to say, wow, this is a great house. Wow, this is a great job. You're going to say, God, you are so great. You are so great. Because when you get through the process to the promise, it's not about the promise anymore. 
It's about the God of the promise. Amen. Amen. He is good. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight in this place. How many of you enjoyed the word tonight? He is so good. He's taking you places. Don't be afraid of what he's doing in you. Don't be afraid if it's uncomfortable. Don't be afraid if you're not seeing anything yet. Look for the cloud and know he's working things together for your good. And in the meantime, yield to him and say, Lord, work through me. Work in me so that you could work through me. I yield to you. If there's anything in me that is still of me, if there's any habits, if there's any character issues in me, if there's any selfish ambition, if there's anything in me that I'm wanting that's not of you, work it out of me so that you could work through me, so that you could get me to the place of promise in my life. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I feel like that. It's this, this is the place that you're at in between the promise and, and where it started. And there's a process that you're going through. But you have victory in the process. You're going to be women of faith that stand strong, that contend for it, and that yield to him and see every good thing that he has. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Joey Miller podcast today. I pray you were blessed by God's word. I pray that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and ministering to you, that his grace is empowering you to be everything that you're called to be. Well, until next time, I'll see you on the Joey Miller podcast.